You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. It's been a good day. Man, I've so enjoyed this weekend because Dave asked me to speak about the faithfulness of God. And I've never spoken about that. I've been teaching the Bible for 25 years, and I've never taught on the faithfulness of God. And I was thinking about, man, why haven't I? It's all over that thing. But it's just one of those attributes that I just kind of take for granted, um, where I, 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 just, I just go, okay, God's faithful. That's kind of a given. But the more I study it, the more I realize, man... It's, it's not really a given that I understand that and that I get that and I really believe that because I'm so used to being lied to that to absolutely trust someone is really hard. I mean, the more I looked at this topic, because the word, the word uh, faithful comes from the Hebrew root word, which means to, uh, to prop or to support, so, so when it, it applies to a person, it's the idea that you can actually lean upon someone. It's a beautiful word. In, in the Greek, it, it means to be trustworthy, like worthy of trust. And, and as I thought about this, I go, I don't really trust anyone completely. I mean, do you? I mean, you sure? Like, like, like I, don't, I don't trust you guys. I, I don't. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your life's really like. Just because you walk into a church, I don't know if you really believe in Jesus. Or I, I don't know what really goes on the rest of the week. Even if you tell me you follow Jesus, I, I wouldn't believe you. I've I just been lied to so much. You say, well, don't you trust Dave, our pastor? I go, like, if you asked me, do you trust Dave Lomas? I would say yes. But, but that would only mean like 80%. You, you know, I mean, I kind of trust him, but I don't know. I mean, he could be lying to all of us. Right? But, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with him. I love the guy. I definitely love him. And, and I pretty much believe that he's the real thing, but you just never know. And, uh, you know, Tariq, I hardly know at all, so I don't trust him at all. I don't. I mean, I, I, maybe as I get to know you, I might. But, you know, I mean, let's just be real here. It's very hard to trust anyone because we've been lied to so much. So then when you come to God, it's hard to not have that spill over into our relationship with God. It's hard to believe in someone who is holy. That means he's different from us. You can't treat him like everyone else where you wonder and you question. With God, he says, I'm faithful. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, it says this. He says, No, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. It's a beautiful verse. He's saying God is the one person who can, you can lean on, the one person you can support. He is faithful. God is faithful. That's who he is. When he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. He'll keep it for a thousand generations. That's our God. When, when, um, when I thought about this, I, I, I thought about the opposite. That sometimes helps me to understand an attribute. I, I thought about what does it mean to be unfaithful and how horrible it would be if God were unfaithful. 
Some of us have had relationships where someone was unfaithful, and it's destructive. I, I, most of you know I, I work in the Tenderloin District, where I just work with people who are addicts, and you start hearing their stories, and it's amazing how many of them are there because of unfaithfulness. Either their own unfaithfulness or someone else's unfaithfulness. One, one of my friends there, she's this, this lady who's in her 60s, and, and I, you know, one day I got to take her out to lunch, and I just said, you know, just tell me your whole story. And she told me about how when she was a kid, this is the weirdest thing, both of her parents had leprosy. I mean, we never hear about leprosy. You know, but she grew up in Indonesia, and both of her parents got leprosy, and they had to be taken away from her. And so then she told me how she had to be placed in this girl's home. And she goes, Francis, the things that happened to me in this girl's home, the things they did to me, I can't even tell you. It's so horrible. I can't even tell you what they would do to me. It was a nightmare growing up in this place. And then she talked about how when she was finally old enough to get out of that home, and she was so grateful and eventually got in a relationship with a guy whom she married. She goes, it was awesome. She got married to this guy. They had a child. Ten years into the relationship, He looks at her one day. She says, he comes home from work and says, let's just quit the facade. You and I both know we don't love each other. So let's just end this thing. And she says, I was just shocked. As she's telling me the story, she's crying. Going, what do you mean it's a facade? I I love you. He goes, I, I loved him. I mean, then he just comes out of nowhere and tells me this was all, none of it was real. And she just freaked out, flipped out, went on drugs, and there she was, homeless in the TL for years. And now just trying to rebuild her life. I'm trying to explain the faithfulness of God. But it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the things that happen to you when people are unfaithful, it's destructive. I, I was a pastor for years, 17 years down in Southern California, and I can't tell you how many times unfaithfulness just destroyed marriages. And when, uh, when Dave asked me to speak about this, the passage that came to mind was a 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Isn't that a great passage? He goes, look, even if you're faithless, That doesn't change God. He's still going to be faithful. Why? Because he can't deny himself. That's who he is. He can't stop being who he is. He's a faithful God. And so your actions don't change him. Which is so weird to us because usually if someone is faithless towards us, it warrants a response by us. Or if we are faithless towards someone else, we can expect them to treat us differently now. But what God's saying is, look, I am who I am. Isn't that what this series has been about? God says, look, I am who I am. I can't change that. And I just, I'm a faithful God. I'm faithful at the core. So even if you are faithless, I'm still the same. 
He didn't say, I am who I am unless you do something that really bugs me. He, goes, I, he doesn't say, I am whoever you think I am or whoever you think I should be. He says, I am who I am. That's my name. And he says, look, even if you're faithless, I remain faithful because I, I can't stop being who I am. This letter is so cool because um, understand when, when Paul is saying this to Timothy, he's writing this from prison. Okay, Paul is writing this from prison in Rome, and he's about to be executed. Paul is about to be killed, and he writes to Timothy. He goes, you, you know, you know the, the, the letter in 2 Timothy, like in chapter 1, he says, hey, don't be afraid. The spirit of fear, that didn't come from God. God gave you a spirit of power and love and self-control. Timothy is afraid because his buddy, Paul, who is also his mentor, is in prison. And, and he's afraid on a couple of kinds. I mean, could you imagine if I told you, hey, Dave's actually not in Hawaii. He's in prison right now because of his faith. And they're about to kill him. I mean, wouldn't that be a little terrifying? Terrifying on the one hand because you go, man, not Dave. I'm going to miss Dave. I love Dave. I trust Dave, like 80%. He's, he's, he's I, I, you know, like there'd be a sadness over Dave, but there would also be a fear on your own mind because you're thinking, wait, they threw him in prison because he's a Christian. I'm a Christian too. Are they going to do the same thing to me? So you can imagine Timothy there just kind of terrified, like, wait, Paul's in prison? They're going to kill him? And, 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 and now he wants me to continue in his footsteps? And Paul's writing Timothy, he goes, don't worry. He goes, because you know what, God, this is trustworthy. Our God is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we'll also live with him. So Paul's telling Timothy, he goes, I'm not afraid. He goes, man, this is a promise we can trust. Our God is faithful. So if I die in his name, guess what? I'm going to live with him. He goes, if I endure, if we endure, we're going to reign with them. So he's telling Timothy, don't worry about it. Whatever you have to go through, go through it, because this is trustworthy. If we die, we're just going to live with him. If we endure this hardship, we're going to reign with him. This is trustworthy. And even if we've been faithless, he'll remain faithful because he can't deny himself. He makes a promise he keeps that our God is faithful. And he's writing this letter to encourage this guy saying, don't be afraid because I certainly am not. And I love that. See, this idea of us, of him being faithful, even though we've been faithless, that's, that's hard for us to fathom because, like I said earlier, we respond. My wife and I have been married for 19 years. Um, 19 years. And uh, we've had five kids. In fact, my oldest daughter's here, the service. Um, 19 years, my wife has been faithful to me. As far as I know, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I trust her like 98%. It, it's just, as far as I know, in fact, if you know something, tell me. It, it's just, a, it, but, but okay, but besides that, the, the, I, I was thinking this week, like my wife has been faithful to me, but what if she cheated on me? I tried to imagine this, like I'd like to think that I'm a big enough man, a strong enough man before the Lord that, that it wouldn't affect me and that I could remain faithful even if she was faithless. But the more I thought about myself, I thought, I don't know. There's still this, this 
evil side. There's still some flesh in me. I know myself, and there's like this vengeful side that creeps out sometimes. There's this angry side that creeps out sometimes. There's this competitive, you know, and so if she was faithless toward me, I'm sure there'd be something in me that would be tempted to kind of go, you know what? If you're going to be faithless toward me, you know, for an older guy, I'm still kind of sexy. You you know, I I can, you you know, there would just be some of that root of evil, like, oh, yeah. And, 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 And what God's saying is he goes, that's not me, though. He goes, when you are faithless toward me, I remain faithful because it's just who I am. See, some of that flesh, some of that evil in you, it's not in me. That's not in my character. I, and I can't deny myself. That would go against everything that I am to be faithless. And I love that. He says, if you've been faithful, if you've been faithless, I'll still be faithful. We're, we're just so used to people. And so it's hard to get God in this other category because we're so used to people. And we can't trust people. That's why you don't take anyone at their word, right? You want it in writing. That's why we have contracts. We don't trust people. That's why we don't take personal checks. It's why we have prenuptials. It's these agreements because I I don't know what you're really going to do to me. So give me that in writing. I got to show. That's why we have attorneys because we can't can't trust people. And I was thinking, you know, some people have just grown up with broken promise over after broken promise after broken promise. And that's all you know. Some of you grew up in a home where you know that mom and dad made a promise. And not just a promise, they made a vow before God in front of everyone that they loved. They promised God, they promised each other in front of everyone, look, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And they make that vow, that promise, and then it ends. And so you just grow up with that. Oh yeah, people make promises. They make vows, grand vows, and they don't keep them. And you get lied to time and time and time again in life. And what's the worst is when the very people, and this is horrible and I feel terrible for you. Man, it it, it makes me so sad when I hear of people who are abused by the very people that were supposed to protect them. And I hear stories like that, and I, it just it kills me. I just think, man, how, how could you ever trust then the person that was supposed to protect you was actually hurting you, was actually abusing you? And so you grow up in this, and people are lying to you, broken promise after broken promise, and then you're supposed to believe in someone who is faithful. And it takes a miracle because you are conditioned to distrust and it spills over even into God. And so you hear some of these promises and you want to believe it, but there's a part of you that's like, that's just too good to be true. Man, and I've been praying for you this week because I go, God, we're so used to people lying to us. And I saw that in myself. That's like, God, sometimes I even don't want to get my hopes up. And I gotta, that's a terrible way to live. 
God's saying, no, no, no. Don't treat me like everyone else. You can lean on me. I will support you. I am trustworthy. It's who I am, and I can't stop being that. So he starts this, uh, this phrase. He says, the saying is trustworthy. The saying is trustworthy. And he goes on and explains the saying, if we have died with him. The reason why he says the saying is trustworthy, it seems like this is something that was a saying back then. Or, or a lot of people believe this was actually a song that they sang. If we had died with him, we will also live with him. You know, it's kind of like in the beginning when we, say, we said those words, Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. You know, it's like, oh, you know that old hymn? You know what? That's actually something you can trust. It's not in the Bible, but it's trustworthy. And I can prove it to you. Those are right words. That's kind of what Paul is saying here to Timothy. He goes, you know that hymn you guys sing? If we died with him? He goes, that's trustworthy. It's actually, it's actually true. So he says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. In fact, other places, Paul has uh, said the exact same thing. I, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 6. And just enjoy these words. I mean, rather than me just spewing out a bunch, I mean, why would you believe me? Let's just look at the word of God. Romans 6, verse 3. You can look it up just in case you don't trust I'm really reading it. But uh, Romans 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's, it's uh, like what Jesus said. If you're willing to die for me, if you're willing to lose your life, you're going to find it. You, you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. He's, but, but he's saying, you know what, you, it's worth it. And so, so Paul is, is, is telling uh, Timothy, he goes, look, I'm not afraid to lose my life. Because he, he says, look, if we lose it, we're going to find it. We, we die in Christ. Like a lot of you, at some point you were baptized. Baptism was you saying, you know, I'm done with the old me. I'm done just living life for myself, doing whatever I want. I'm dying to that, and I want to rise again. That's, that's the idea of baptism. It's a death and a resurrection, saying, you know, I want to live with Christ now. I want to live in a new life. I'm done with that. And Paul says, look, if you've done that, you will live with him. So he goes, I'm not afraid to die. Kill me. I'm ready to go. Timothy, don't be afraid, because this is a trustworthy statement. And then he says, if we endure, we will reign with him. 
If we endure, we will also reign with him. This was his motivation to endure whatever he had to go through. Understand, the Bible is clear that our perseverance proves our salvation. It's not something where you pray a prayer and live life however you want, do whatever you want, and you're good. No, the Bible says if we endure, we will reign with him. And that's why Paul's telling Timothy, don't be afraid and don't chicken out of this thing. If we endure, we'll reign with him. In Hebrews 3, verse 14, it says, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Colossians 1, 22 to 23, it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. See, all these verses are hold on, hold on to the end, be faithful even unto death, and then you're going to get the crown of life. You know, Paul's saying, look, endure, endure what you need to. Be faithful even unto death. I I love the phrase that Jesus used in Matthew 25 where, you know, he talks about being that, 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 uh, that, that owner and he's, he's giving the the people talents to, to, uh, to spend, whatever, invest, there you go. Um, Anyways, at the end, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus say that? Well done, good and faithful. Wouldn't you love to have that title from God? You know, the one that he could lean on. The one he goes, man, all those people in the world, I couldn't depend on them. I didn't know what they were going to do the next day. But you, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful till the end. You held that confession from the beginning to the end. But then the next promise he gives Remember he says, if we died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. There's another promise. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, some of us don't like that promise. We don't like that that's trustworthy and something you can bank on. If we deny him, he'll deny us. But Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 to 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Paul tells Timothy, don't go shrinking back on me. Don't go backing off on this. Because if you endure, you'll reign with him. But if we deny him, he's going to deny us. He goes, that's why there's no way I'm denying him here. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. Cut my head off. Do whatever you need to do. Kill me, but I'm not going to deny him because I know he promised that if I deny him, he's going to deny me. Now, the thing that I've noticed, and I, I know you know it too, is that there are a lot of people who do trust God's promises of blessing, 
but they don't trust his threats of punishment. They believe he may be faithful to his promises of blessing those who are faithful, but they won't believe his promises of threats, his, his threats of a punishment toward those who reject him. And I, I was thinking about this, and I realized, you know what, some of this, some of this is our conditioning. For one, a lot of us grew up with parents who didn't follow through on their threats, Right? You see it all the time. You stop that tantrum. I'm going to count to three. And if you don't stop that, I tell you, you're in so much trouble. One, two, three, four. You know, and it's just, do something, hit them. You know, it's just this whole threat of you do that and you're going to be grounded. And then, then they don't follow through. And so you're just used to, yeah, you say you're going to do that, but you're not really going to do it. That's why in my house I've tried so hard where if I say, look, I'm going to punish you for this, I do it. I do it. I, it's funny that you're in here. But remember when you were five and uh, she complained about mom's oatmeal? And in our house it's like, you don't complain about what mom cooks. Look, I'm not crazy about it either. But, you, you know, you, you just... <laughs> You don't complain or bad things will happen. And one morning, little Rachel ate her oatmeal. Ew! I'm like, did you just do that? You're going to eat oatmeal every day this week. And you ate oatmeal every day that week, right? Remember? And remember in junior high? Okay, sorry to make it, but... She did. She used to wake up in the morning like at 7 and just be like, she was just rude to everyone. Like in the morning, she was just, you were, you are just mean. And I was like, look, I don't care that it's early. I don't care that you're tired. You're not free to just be mean to all of us because you're tired. I will punish you if you do that again. So what does she do? Wakes up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wake you up every morning at 6 a.m. next week. And you are going to pull weeds for an hour before school every day for the next week. Oh, yeah, I went there. And she was pulling weeds. But she has a good attitude in the morning now. You, you know, it's, but it's, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've been telling people that. And, and every service has been like, what? You know, this look like you're so evil. I'm like, no, that's a good thing. I keep my promise. If I say I'm going to give you this in a good way, it's going to happen. If I, tell you I'm gonna, if I say I'm going to punish you, I'm going to punish you. Why? Because I want my kids growing up going, you know what? I had a dad who did what he said he would do. And they would at least understand a little bit of faithfulness and what that means. You know, I was thinking about this too. I thought, you know why, why the other reason why so many people in the world, especially those who grew up going to church, say, I don't believe that a loving God could punish. And the reason is, is even if you grew up in church, a lot of times we pick and choose what verses we'll read. And so all those verses that talk about God coming through on his threats... We don't like to talk about those. We just want to hear about forgiveness and the blessing and grace. I mean, who doesn't? Case in point. Tonight, the first verse I read was Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. 
it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And I stopped right there at verse 9. But let me read verse 10. And repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. But what do we normally do in church? We'll just read verse 9 and go, oh, isn't that great? His faithfulness. The generations, like a thousand. Give me a hug. You, you know? <laughs> and we don't read on. And then it's like, man, what does he say? Look, I'm faithful. That means, what that means is I will repay to their face those who hate me. That means those who live on the earth going, God, you know what? You can't tell me how to live. You can't govern my life. How dare you? You can't punish me. You have no right. God says, you know what? If you're going to do that throughout your lifetime and deny me in that way, you're going to hate me like that, I will repay you to your face. And so I have to look at that and go, when I read this book cover to cover, God keeps his word. Remember when he told Moses, hey, tell Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, I'll have like thousands and thousands of frogs just hop onto your land and just create a stench in that place. Hey, tell Pharaoh, if he doesn't let my people go, see all that nice running water, it's going to turn into blood. And then he did it. Then he tells Pharaoh, you know what, if you still won't let my people go, I'm going to kill the firstborn child of every house in this whole country, in all of Egypt. Well, a loving God wouldn't do that. But what did this faithful God do when Pharaoh rebelled and said, no, I'm not going to let your people go? He killed the firstborn in every house. Listen, you guys. I know we like to think about just the blessing, but I'm saying God's faithfulness is God's faithfulness. When he says he will do something, he does it, good or bad. And we are not used to that in this world, but I'm telling you, our God is holy. He's different from all of us. He keeps his word. And then finally, the, the part I just love, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Okay, earlier I said, um, you know, we talked about those who are not faithful to us, and that kind of screws us up. But what the verse says is if we are faithless. Part of the reason why we have a hard time believing in his faithfulness and his goodness toward us is because of our own faithlessness, right? We've screwed up. We've made promises to God that we didn't keep. We ourselves have hurt other people. It's not all just throw the victim card out there. We've done things, right? We've promised people and we haven't come through. I have hurt a lot of people in my lifetime. 
And so it's hard for us to believe, especially with God, because we've made those vows. Like maybe at an emotional moment in church or at a retreat where we go, okay, God, I promise I'll never get drunk again. That felt so bad. I promise you I'll never do it again. God, I'll never look at pornography again. God, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. We make these vows and we break them over and over and over again. So we just wonder, man, does he even listen to us anymore? Because I've been faithless. But it's so important to understand that our faithlessness doesn't change him. God is not some weak God that is is altered by your actions. He goes, I cannot deny myself. And he proves this in scripture. One of the most beautiful pictures is the story of Hosea. You guys read the book of Hosea? Beautiful book. It's crazy. I never understood it as a kid. I thought it was weird, but it's, it's beautiful because Hosea was a prophet of God, and God tells Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. In fact, I want you to marry this prostitute named Gomer. And so he marries her, and, and God's saying, look, this is all an illustration because I want to show Israel that she is a whore, but I'm going to choose her anyways. And she should be like, no way, you know, pretty woman. You know, it's just the whole, let's let's just go. This is amazing. I can't believe you picked me. But what happens is after Hosea marries Gomer, Gomer leaves him. Man, he's like this great husband. And she ditches him and goes back to prostitution. And God's saying, you know what? I want to show Israel that's what she's done to me. I've been such a great God to her, and she just keeps being unfaithful, 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 unfaithful nation. But then in Hosea comes the command where God tells Hosea, I want you to get her back. I know she's been unfaithful to you. I know she was a prostitute to begin with, and now she's going back to her, her old, old self, but I want you to buy her back. And so there's this image in, in, in Hosea of of Gomer, who, who has just been used up, worn out, unfaithful, leaves her husband, been with who knows how many different guys, and, and it was like this place of, of auction, like a, a place where you would purchase the prostitutes, and one at a time, they're coming up, and then, you know, towards the end of the line comes, this, comes Gomer, who's just used up, worn out, gets up there. Does anyone want this girl? And from the back, you can just envision it, her husband going, I want her. I'll pay, I'll pay for, I'll buy her. In fact, the amount of money he spent there, you know, the scholars say, man, it was way more than what you would normally pay for a prostitute. But there's her husband in the back. Can you imagine what a fool he must have looked like? When all of his friends are like, wait, that's the one that left you. Look at her. And you go, no, I still want her. Here, I'll pay any amount of money to get her back. Man, and God's saying, because that's the picture I want to paint to Israel. I want them to see, yeah, you left me, but I still want you. Man, and and, and this is this picture of God just going, man, don't you see that while you were a sinner, I had my son die for you. What greater price could I pay to show that I love you? See, that's our God. He's like no one else. Everyone else, if you were unfaithful to them, they would ditch you. 
But our God's looking at everyone in this room going, I know what you've done. I know what you left. And I still want you. I can't help it. It's just who I am. That even though you were faithless, I'm still faithful. I still love you. And I'll buy you back. In fact, 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that like a hundred percent? Where if you right now would just confess what you've done, just admit it before God. Look, I wasn't faithful. God says, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from every ounce of unrighteousness that's in you. It's because our God is faithful. We can look at a verse like that and go, no way. No way. He's the only person on this earth you can completely trust that if you confess your sins right now, He's faithful and just to forgive you of those because he promised it. He can't go against his word. It's just his nature. When he says something, he has to do it. He can't help himself. That is who he is. And he'll forgive you today. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, I trust him. I trust him to death. He's shown himself faithful through this whole thing. So keep your eyes on the end. If you endure, we're going to reign with him. The worship team's going to come up along with people who will be here to pray with you. If you're just doubting his forgiveness, if you've doubted his faithfulness, maybe you've never made a decision to die to yourself and follow him because you've never trusted him, because you've never trusted anyone except yourself, and now you can't even trust yourself because you've seen what you're made of. Maybe now's the time where you say, you know what, I want to turn to the faithful one. Let me just read one last passage before we worship. Because it's out of the book of Revelation. This is a promise from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is going to happen. And it talks about what life is going to be like when this world is over. We don't have to wonder about who's lying to you, who's going to hurt you. Listen to his promise. Let's just enjoy this. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's what we have to look forward to. Because God is faithful. And he's promised that to those of us who endure.